You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all of Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Welcome back to Sacred Season. I'm Danielle Hitchin. And I'm Erin Hawley. Sacred Season is dedicated to coming alongside listeners with encouragement for whatever season you're in, but especially if you're parenting in the little years. Each episode is built around a season of the liturgical calendar. We believe the church calendar is a helpful way of discipling our hearts and our time, and that each season can lead us into deeper relationship with God and deeper understanding of ourselves. And welcome to Pentecost. This is the day that is historically celebrated as the birthday of the church. The word Pentecost literally means 50, which refers to the Feast of Pentecost being exactly 50 days after Easter Sunday. It's the day we remember the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit being poured out onto the followers of Jesus and the work of the church beginning with the apostles in Jerusalem and spreading forth into all the world. Pentecost is also the culmination of Eastertide and after Pentecost Sunday, ordinary time begins. So chapters 14 through 17 of the Gospel of John are known as the Farewell Discourse, and they give us a little bit of an idea about what the Holy Spirit is, uh, who the Holy Spirit is, I should say. This is the period in time that precedes Jesus' ascension uh, back into heaven. Um, And Jesus spends a lot of intimate time with his disciples uh, before he ascends. Uh, This takes place after Jesus has performed his earthly ministries, after he's died on the cross, and after he's risen from the grave. And one of my very favorite passages uh, in the New Testament is the high priestly prayer, which is John 17. And this just gives so many great promises for us as believers today. But before Jesus gets to those awesome promises, he tells his disciples in chapter 14 that he has to go away again. He tells them that he's going ahead of them to prepare a place for them. But if we put ourselves in the disciples' shoes for just a minute, I would have been horrified Uh, Jesus uh, was with them uh, for three years uh, of ministry. Then he was crucified and died. And here he's telling them he's going to leave them again. They had really just gotten him back. Uh, And here he is uh, saying that he needs to leave. Uh, Thomas asks him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. Uh, How can we know the way? Uh, They're clearly uh, agitated and worried about Jesus telling him uh, that he must leave again. Um, But before Jesus ascends into heaven, uh, he says something really extraordinary. He tells his disciples that it's actually to their advantage uh, that he is going up to heaven because when he uh, returns to heaven, when he returns to the Father, then he will send his helper, uh, the Holy Spirit. He tells them that they will never be alone, that his Holy Spirit will be with them always as a helper and a comforter. So Jesus would always be with them, even though he wasn't physically with him. Uh, through his promised Holy Spirit. Because Pentecost is all about the giving of the Holy Spirit, the pouring out of the Holy Spirit, I am curious, Aaron, about your background, your understanding of the Holy Spirit. Um, What did you grow up thinking about the Holy Spirit? How has that shifted for you over the years and over the course of your learning and study of Scripture? 
That's a great question, Danielle. And I grew up in a Baptist church who had certainly taught the Trinity. Uh, so I learned about the Father, the Son, uh, and Holy Spirit, or the Holy Ghost, um, as, uh, as the pastor called it. Um, and to be honest, as, as a small child, this idea of a Holy Ghost was, was a little unnerving. Uh, <laughs> what is your ghosts were supposed to be there and, and what this what the, uh, the pastor was talking about. Um, and as I grew up uh, and was exposed to other church traditions, uh, my understanding of the Holy Spirit grew. Uh, I know uh, that he's a person, uh, that he represents the spirit of Jesus. Um, and that in some just miraculous way, uh, the Holy Spirit is Jesus's gift to us uh, that sheds his love abroad in our hearts um, and does so many other things as well. Um, but really just is the constant presence of Jesus, the Lord here with us on earth as he promised the disciples. I definitely always had this feeling growing up that the Holy Spirit was kind of the the JV to uh, mm-hmm. God and Jesus's varsity team. Mm-hmm. And I was trying to think about where this came from. And I remembering when we moved, when my family, my family is military, so we moved a lot. And when we moved to North Carolina, we were visiting churches, trying to find a place to settle and I was probably, let's see, nine at this point. We had been in a Baptist church previously, so not super Pentecostal. So we visited a local church, which we did not realize was a Pentecostal church. And we would never had this experience before. And I remember sitting there as a child, two hours in, then the ribbon dancers came out. <laughs> and um, as a child, it was just a totally bizarre experience for me. I think as an adult now, I might have a much greater appreciation for that um, setting and that sort of service. But um, at that point in time, I just thought like, oh, this is really weird. Pentecostal, weird. uh, This focus on the Holy Spirit, weird. And it's taken me a long time to to dive back into scripture and to better understand who the Spirit is, what the role of the Spirit is in our lives. And um, I'm thankful for the, the growth and grace that God has given me in this process over the last uh, you know, 10 years or so, you know, Jesus himself says in John 16, that it is to your advantage that I go away for if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And I just love this idea that the, the Holy Spirit is not at all a JV member of the Trinity. He is a fully fledged, incredibly important, fully God part of the Trinity. He is our helper and our advocate and, um, works for us and in us and through us. And um, yeah, I mean, so we will get more into this in our next episode, but the season of ordinary time is also called the time of the Holy Spirit. And the color of the Holy Spirit is green for growth and for life and for freshness and for vivacity. And I think that it's so special that we as 21st century Christians are living in the time of the Holy Spirit. You know, um, as Christians, we do, of course, spend so much time focused on Christ and his teaching and his miracles, as well as his finished work on the cross. But I think one of the wonderful things um, that we sometimes overlook is that we still have one person of the Trinity who is fully present with us here and now, and that is the Holy Spirit. And, you know, the Holy Spirit um, obviously has some differences from from Jesus, like there's no literal physical God-man walking among us. But I think that there are also so many similar properties. If we are able to look around our world, we can see that there are still loaves and fishes being multiplied. There are still reports of miraculous healings and deliverances, and there's still salvation, most importantly, salvation coming for those who have eyes to see and ears to hear. And um, as I was preparing for this episode and reflecting you know, about the work of the Holy Spirit in my own life and where I have seen the Holy Spirit work um, most obviously, I was remembering 
this past Christmas, um, I was at Chick-fil-A. I was standing in line out in the cold waiting for my mobile order. And there was a bunch of door dashers around and, you know, other people waiting for their mobile orders. But there was a homeless man standing there and he was clearly trying to get to the counter to order. And um, he was clearly uncomfortable. And I just started praying that God would give me a way to buy food for this man because going up to the counter with him was a way to damage his dignity. And I didn't want to embarrass him or draw more attention to him. And so I was like, Lord, I'm here. I want to help this man. I want to serve this man. What help me, help me figure out a way to do this. And my thought was, okay, if my food comes out first, I'm just going to give him my food. I will place a full other order, but his food came out first. And so he was standing off to the side and then my order was called and it came out with twice as much food as I had thought that I had ordered. It came out with three extra French fries and an extra lemonade and an extra thing of chicken nuggets. And I think that I had maybe messed up the mobile app, but it didn't matter because I was like, thank you, Lord. Here are the loaves and fishes that I need. This is the Holy Spirit's work multiplying what I I thought that I had and making it so much greater. Um And so I was able to give this man a ton of food and his eyes got real big. And it was just this most wonderful experience. I said, God bless you. Merry Christmas. And um, yeah, it was just, it was just one of those spirit filled experiences that I look back on and I think like there are still miracles that are happening in the world today. I just love that story, Danielle, and how your openness um, to the God's leading and just praying uh, for the Holy Spirit to help. Um, and did, in fact, uh, no matter how it happened, uh, <laughs> miraculous uh, that you were able to provide for that man and just show uh, God's love for him. And so I was thinking uh, through this episode, I uh, was wondering, you know, what is it that the Bible tells us about the Holy Spirit? Um, we know that the Holy Spirit is a person. Um, and the Bible says so many things uh, about who the Holy Spirit is. The Holy Spirit is our teacher. Uh, the Holy Spirit is our helper and our advocate. As Daniel mentioned, the Holy Spirit reminds us of all that Jesus taught. Uh, the Holy Spirit is with us always, dwells within us. The Holy Spirit is a source of revelation and wisdom. I especially need that as a mom. <laughs> um, the Holy Spirit, the Bible tells us, is also the spirit of truth. Um, and this is to guide us as believers uh, and also unbelievers into a deeper knowledge uh, or a first knowledge of God. The Holy Spirit is sent as a seal. Um, and I love this idea that in the time period, uh, individuals were... And the Holy Spirit is also a seal, a mark of our adoption uh, as children of God. And then this is one of my favorite. The Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness, uh, maybe in a way that the Holy Spirit helps Daniel uh, to figure out how to help uh, that man. Um, And the Holy Spirit also prays and intercedes for us uh, when we don't know how to pray or even what to pray. Um, This morning, (laughs) of course, uh, I was preparing for this episode um, and our youngest was crying upstairs, our six month old, just fussing and crying and couldn't settle. It's about five in the morning. Um, I went up and patted her and like that, she was out again. Um, She simply needed just my presence, just a pat uh, on her stomach. And I think in some ways, uh, this is the most important gift uh, that the Holy Spirit uh, is to us. It's a gift of Jesus's presence always. Um, We don't always, uh, or at least I don't always uh, acknowledge or realize uh, the power and wonder that we have uh, in the gift of the Holy Spirit living with us. But just like my daughter was comforted by my presence, uh, I think that we always have access to Jesus uh, through his spirit. And that's just a tremendous gift. 
So the Holy Spirit, as Daniel mentioned, is also our advocate and intercedes for us. Romans 8, 26 tells us, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Well, this is one of my very favorite passages, and it's one that I have called on time and time again in this past 18 months. You know, in the midst of worldwide upheaval, it is so hard and so overwhelming to know what to pray. And when our society is exceedingly polarized and you have to take a critical eye to every single information source, it's also hard to know what to pray. It's exhausting and it's overwhelming to know how to care for the world and to care for our community. And so much of my prayer life this year has just been asking the Holy Spirit to intercede for the world on our behalf. You know, he knows the truth of every situation and he knows exactly what each person and each community needs. And it's so good to know that he's there interceding and asking for exactly what these people and these communities in our world needs. You know, after telling us in John 16 that it's better if he leaves so that we can have his spirit, Jesus goes on to explain that the spirit will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment, concerning sin because they do not believe in me, concerning righteousness because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer, concerning judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. And for me, this passage builds on the idea that the Spirit is interceding on our behalf. It's a comfort to know that the Holy Spirit is um, moving and working in the world in big ways. He is convicting sin and keeping Satan at bay and continuing to carry out the work of our heavenly King Jesus. It's such a powerful idea that all of these things uh, that the Holy Spirit is doing um, for us and through us. And one of the things the Bible says that the Holy Spirit also does is tell us what to speak. Uh, this can be tremendously helpful um, in polarizing times such as this. It can also be tremendously helpful as moms. So God really does give us what to say uh, when we think to ask him. I remember reading a parenting book not long ago, and the point the author was making is that we do have an instruction manual. Uh, we have a Bible, um, and so we can read that and find out uh, how to parent. Um, I love this thought, and I love the writer's just infinite faith in God. But to tell you the truth, when I read the Bible, I don't necessarily find concrete examples of how to discipline my children, <laughs> how to love them better, uh, how to potty train. Um, those things uh, don't jump out at me. But as I was thinking more on her point, I think she's absolutely correct that the Bible is our instruction manual for life, including for parenting, especially uh, when we have the help of the Holy Spirit. Uh, so the Bible tells us the Holy Spirit helps us to understand the Bible, helps us uh, reveals God's word uh, to us uh, and speaks truth to us. Um, as the Apostle Paul wrote to the believers in Ephesus, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. And as moms, I just can't think of a better prayer for us, that he would give us his spirit of wisdom and revelation so that we might know him better and present him to our children. That's such a great point. And it reminds me of this time when uh, my oldest was five, my middle son was three, and my baby was six months. We were at a pretty big playground that had a little nature trail off of it. And uh, we were just finishing up lunch. My my older two, my older one had to go to the bathroom. My baby needed a diaper change. My three-year-old son asked if he could go play on the playground. I said, sure, you know, I'm going to be in the bathroom play on the playground. I'll be right back out. The bathroom was right there. And a friend was at the playground with me. So there were other adult eyes keeping eyes out. Um, so I get back from the bathroom and I'm packing up lunch and I'm starting to look around and asking myself, where's Charlie? 
And all of a sudden, this woman walks up holding Charlie by the arm and she starts yelling at me and telling me that she found him at the bottom of the nature trail. And she identified herself as a nanny. She um, told me what a irresponsible mother I was. She couldn't believe that I'd lost track of my child. I mean, she proceeded to just berate me. By the way, she was there with like a seven and a nine-year-old. So very different um, age group. And I left the park pretty soon after that. I was just so shaken up. I was worried about what could have happened to Charlie, which, oh, she yelled at me about that too. Do you know what could have happened? Do you ever watch the news? Don't you know, you know, terrible things happen to children. So I was shaken up. I went home. I just felt so terrible. And I was going over and over and over the situation in my head, wondering like, should I have done something different? Did I need to get a leash for him? You know, like what, what do I do? And I was um, praying through these mothering insecurities and this experience. And I felt like the Holy Spirit just said to me, Danielle, if Mary managed to lose track of Jesus, who was perfect, it's probably okay that you lost track of your son once. And I'm not saying make a habit of losing your kids, but it was just such a moment of peace and relief to remember that God in his mercy included this story of Mary losing track of her son, Jesus. And um, just such a gift that there is this instruction in scripture and that the spirit can call to mind these passages. You know, it never would have occurred to me to draw that connection, but, um, you know, God in his mercy just includes such goodness in his word for us in all stages and seasons of life. And I am grateful for a God who sees our humanness and provides for our needs and is God with us in every moment. I just so love that story and how God brought to mind uh, that way uh, that related uh, specifically to your situation and to your prayer. Um, And I think that's one way uh, by reminding us of his promises that the Holy Spirit gives us hope. Um, As we look around the world uh, today, we're recovering from a pandemic. There's so much rest um, and political polarization um, in our country. And it can become easy to be discouraged, to worry about the world that our children are growing up in. Um, And I love that the Bible says that with the power of the Holy Spirit, we can overflow with hope in Romans 15, 13. And one of the ways I think that the Holy Spirit gives me hope is just simply by telling me uh, that I am loved. One of my favorite passages, I've got lots of them (laughs) uh, in the Bible, is when the Holy Spirit descends upon Jesus after his baptism and tells him he is loved. The Bible tells us that the Spirit of God descends like a dove and that a voice comes from heaven. You are my son whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. That's a great, that's a great word, Erin. And, um, you know, as you think about raising my own kids to know and love God, I think a lot about what is the role of the spirit in my parenting and the role of the spirit in their life. And I feel like sometimes motherhood is just closing your eyes and praying that something sticks, you know, two of my kids were, were born in March. And so we had them baptized shortly thereafter at Easter when they were only three or four weeks old. And after our second child's baptism, somebody else in our church came came up and elbowed me and gave me a hard time about how, uh, how hasty we are in baptizing our kids. And I half joked, but was half serious that it was time to get the Holy Spirit in this kid. You know, we pray regularly that God would uphold the promises of our baptismal covenant, covenant of our children and that our children would walk with the Lord all of their days. And honestly, the longer I'm a mom, the more I just feel like I need to take a deep breath and trust that the Holy Spirit is working in my children. You know, I can't control them or who they become. I can certainly guide them as best I can and I can teach them. But ultimately, that work is up to the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit's work in their life. 
So changing gears a little bit, um, as we mentioned at the beginning of the episode, Pentecost is considered the birthday of the church because this is when the spirit is poured out. The disciples are equipped for ministry and they go forth into the world. You know, before Jesus ascends, he tells his disciples not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait to start fulfilling the task of the Great Commission until the promised spirit descends. And so once the promised spirit descends, the disciples are transformed and the church as a body of believers is equipped for mission. And, you know, at every birthday with my family and sometimes with my friends, if I have the opportunity, I like to ask them to reflect on the highlights of the past year and perhaps the lowlights if they want to share. You know, what was good about the past year? What was bad? Where have you seen God at work in your life this year? What have you learned or what are you learning? And it seems prudent for churches to reflect on this each year at Pentecost as well, both as individual local churches, but also as a part of the church global. And this Pentecost, when I think about the church global, it's definitely a mixed bag of feelings. Um, I think joyfully of missionaries who, um, who our family supports that are doing amazing work at home and abroad. And I think about reports of um, friends who tell me about their life in their Rwandan church. And I also think about the too many terrible reports of church abuse and scandal that plague the news. Um, and I think about the, the witness of the church during the COVID pandemic, both for good and for ill. And I see damage and I see healing and I see again and again the need to get on my knees and ask the Holy Spirit to intercede for me on behalf of the church and to build up the church. And I um, I worked in, in ministry for a number of years as a paid staffer at my local church. And I can just say with utter clarity what a perfectly imperfect place the church is. You know, while the staff works hard to be ministers of word and sacrament each week, there is so much earthiness and humanness to this process. You know, before communion bread becomes a part of the Holy Eucharist, it has to get purchased at a Safeway or it has to be baked by human hands. And before the Holy Spirit can convict your heart through the weeding of scripture and the words of a sermon, there is a person who has to make a decision about what the reading and scripture passage is going to be and has to research the passage and put thoughts on paper and just pray that those thoughts are enough, that the Holy Spirit works through those things. You know, someone has to put water in the baptismal font and make sure that the building gets cleaned and make sure that the tithe checks are deposited and that the piano is tuned and that the goldfish are replenished for your children because... You know, God forbid there are no goldfish for the children on Sunday. <laughs> and so the church is a perpetual loaves and fishes endeavor. It is just an exercise in faith that God through the spirit will multiply what humans and their finitude have to offer. His power is made perfect in our weaknesses. Mm -hmm. uh, you referenced the loaves and the fishes. And this spring I was reading um, uh, in my Bible in one year. Uh, I'd really encourage all of you uh, to go through the Bible in a year or two. It's just such a great way uh, to understand more uh, about what Jesus has done and what God has done. Uh, but I'd never realized um, in Matthew 14, Jesus takes five loaves of bread and two fishes and he feeds 5,000 uh, men uh, along with other women and children. And he has 12 baskets left over. Then in Matthew 15, Jesus takes seven loaves and a few fishes, feeds 4,000 uh, along with women and children, and has seven baskets left over. So maybe I'm extrapolating a little bit here. But if you look at those two passages side by side, you realize that actually Jesus did more with less. 
So here's this idea when he had fewer fishes, when he had more human weakness, uh, we can even say that Jesus actually did more. And I love that principle as we're thinking about the church, uh, as we think about our own ministries, uh, if we're thinking about our own parenting abilities or lack thereof uh, with our children, that we can offer it to Jesus uh, with open hands, like that small boy uh, who gave Jesus his own lunch, uh, and that Jesus can multiply it. That's a great reminder. And um, definitely, as we close out this episode on Pentecost, I would just like to encourage everyone to pray for the church global, to pray for the church local, to pray for its leaders, and to pray for the church's efficacy and bringing the light of the gospel to the world, that God would multiply our meager loaves and fishes to bring glory to his name across the globe. And as usual, we are going to close out this episode with a meditation on scripture. Today's passage is Galatians 5, 16 through 25. We're also going to follow this with a prayer for the church. As you listen, take a deep breath, close your eyes, open your heart, and ask the Lord to guide you to a clearer understanding of the Holy Spirit's work in your life and to help you live into the gifts the Spirit has given you. And as we pray for the church, we invite you to also lift up the specific needs of your local congregation. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. O God, our Heavenly Father, you manifested your love by sending your only begotten Son into the world, that all might live through him. Pour out your Spirit on your church, that we may fulfill his command to preach the gospel to all people. Send forth laborers into your harvest. Defend them in all dangers and temptations, and hasten the time when the fullness of the Gentiles shall be gathered in, and faithful Israel shall be saved. Through your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen.